everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 35, Untangle, for February 24th, 2011. This week, our, as our special guest, uh, we have Dirk Morris, the CTO and founder of Untangle. Untangle is one of our favorite web appliances that we've mentioned a few times here in the, the Tightwad Tech uh Span, lifespan. We've yep. mentioned it in a couple of episodes, and, and it's been brought up a lot in forum posts as well. And so uh, we just had this idea and thought, well, we'll go and um, uh, see if we can get some you know low-level marketing guy to come on the show. And Sean sent an email, and none other than uh, the, the founder and chief technology officer uh, responded and said, I would love to do the show. And so we were pretty sure he was lying about that, but still, he decided to come on anyway. Yeah, definitely a, a nice little a bit of news to get. And uh, uh, certainly uh, the first person I got a response from was, uh, I think, somebody obviously probably in their marketing department or something like that. But uh, they very quickly turned me over to him, and they must have talked to him. And uh, next thing I knew, we were uh, we were talking with him and going to have him on the show. So uh, another exciting interview. All right. Uh, so the the first thing I wanted to talk about this week, and I'm going to jump out of order uh, because I can. Uh, I'm in front of the mic, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, this week, uh, this last week, uh, was the beginning of Skynet. Skynet is here. Because, oh, really? Because Watson kicked ass at uh, um, uh, Jeopardy. Oh yeah, you know what? Well, you know, I don't, I don't get network TV at my house, so I, I wouldn't. I guess I would have had to maybe catch it stream. I saw it all on but. YouTube. If you go look, go look it up. Go look at uh, Watson W A T S O N and and uh, Jeopardy, and you'll find all the clips there on on YouTube. Um, this was uh, after IBM's Deep Blue project, where they uh, were uh, trying to beat the world chess champions. They finally beat uh, was Gary Kasparov, I think right. it was, and then just beat everybody. Like no. Nobody could touch him. Uh, every time somebody went up against Deep Blue, they just uh, clobbered him. Um, well, next they decided to say, uh, what's the next thing? And, and so they decided to make something that could compete on Jeopardy. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. Jeopardy is really interesting because you have to have a semantic understanding of the questions. Um, and it's, right. it's not even, it's not like there's a single question and a single answer. You are given an answer and there are a myriad possible questions and you have to decide what the best possible question is for that answer. And sometimes things have to rhyme. Sometimes there's innuendo there and, and like, you know, uh, potent potables is a category about alcohol usually. But, right. but if you're a computer, you have to know what potent potables means. And so there's, um, <laughs> And so it's, it's, well, and even just sometimes the wording of the question can be right, similarly, absolutely. uh, you know, kind of, uh, extrapolated, I guess. So, so Watson went up against Ken Jennings and, I forget the other guy's name, uh, but it was the two the big top, winners, the two top te- Jeopardy champions. Uh, one of them who went on like a twenty-five day run, and the other one who was the biggest money winner, and just decimated them. It wasn't even close. I mean, at the end of the final Jeopardy, uh, I'm making these numbers up because I don't have them in front of me. It was something like Watson eighty thousand, the next guy five thousand, wow. and the next guy two thousand. It was just. He clobbered him. Was it, was it like talking? Did it answer yeah. like with, answered, in the form of a question? With a voice, yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, what is so and so? And then had to pick the next category, you know, same category, okay. 400, Alex. And, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing. And he actually oh, had a, wow. they built him a little robot thumb. So he had to buzz in. Uh, <laughs> really? Right. And he couldn't buzz in until. Did Alex, he have a face? Yeah, a little face. Yeah. A little <laughs> oh, no. avatar. Yeah. Uh, and he couldn't buzz in until Alex finished the question. So, okay. uh, and, and the only way the guys could beat him was buzzing in before the question was finished. 
and then figuring out the answer. In wow, time. They, yeah, just right. yeah, wow. And there were a couple of times he screwed up, uh, but uh, uh, overall he was amazing. And so um, I at, at the at the final Jeopardy question, uh, which all three contestants got right, including Watson, uh, Ken Jennings uh, wrote the answer, and then in parentheses wrote, wrote "I for one welcome our computer overlords." <laughs> And so if you haven't checked it out, do, because it's it's awesome, and the singularity is upon us. Uh, Terminator right. is right around the corner. Okay, I'm going to go dig a hole in my backyard. <laughs> it's bomb shelter time, folks. Sure. And so this is our first episode uh, recorded after we got back from the TCEA convention, the Texas Computer Educators uh, Association convention. We've had one episode, but was recorded uh, ahead of time. So we're just going to give you some of our reflections on TCEA, and I'll let Sean uh, start there. Um, I guess one, is this one word, two words? Uh first thing that really hit me over the head was uh ipads uh, yes it was the year of the slate absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and you can say that slate but i don't i don't well we did see a couple there of were some other galaxy devices. tabs and some some things out there yeah right but mostly ipads and uh certainly uh teachers are are absolutely goo goo over ipads well and on uh, the exhibit hall floor all the every vendor had a pad Right, an iPad killer, quote unquote. Well, and and then you know you weren't a cool vendor if you weren't giving away an iPad that's as true. well. That's true. So uh, certainly the year of the iPad, and you know that's fine. I mean, it, it's funny because in that type of environment, uh, it's actually a pretty good device to have. And Mark, I mean, you can right. Speak I to that. you know as I've mentioned here on the show a number of times, I have an iPad. I took uh, my iPad and my uh, Android phone and a laptop. I didn't use the laptop at all. Ever. I mean, I used it back in the room and I used it for our session, but for just walking around the show, I didn't use it at all. I went back and forth between the iPad and the phone. Uh, for me, the phone was the better tool, uh, but there are times when I wanted to have a bigger interface and the iPad was great for that. So again, in that consumption environment or when you're only taking quick notes, um, that slate form factor is, is really good. And, and, uh, it was really, I don't ordinarily fit in anywhere I go, <laughs> right. but it was like the one time I fit in. I was a geek surrounded by geeks carrying an iPad with everybody else carrying an iPad. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it, you know, I shouldn't even think that it was all that weird. I mean, every year there's, there's something, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, it was all about web 2.0. And if you, if something didn't have 2.0 on it, nobody wanted to look at it. Right. Uh, you know, toilet 2.0. Okay. I'll, I'll go there. Yeah. You know, so, uh, so this was just one of those years. And, uh, uh I imagine I'm, it'll be interesting to see what it is next year. But, uh, uh, so that's mine. Uh, other than that, I mean, uh, great keynotes and great uh great presentations and we of course we did our presentation there and uh that was a lot of fun and uh, went fairly well so uh yeah uh, that was that was it for me i don't know what about you mark uh i think uh overall uh it was obvious that there is an economic depression, um, uh, particularly in the exhibit hall. There was less good stuff being given away, less swag being given away. Um, it was just sort of a down uh, uh, tone to it. People, uh, the conversations in the hallways were uh, about new tools and new techniques, but also about budget cuts and and how to. Uh, right. To, it, it, the year of the tightwad is upon us. Is what it what it showed right. me. <laughs> um, if if we ever had a niche to fill, we really do now, um, and because there's. Um, it's not just in Texas, it's all across the country, but in Texas, we're looking at a $27 billion uh, budget shortfall uh, this year, and then more projected sh- shortfalls to come, and, and, and schools are being uh, told to cut 15% uh, percent across the board. Right. And um, 
So that was sort of the thing that uh, that I took away from TCA is that the the, the year of the Taiwan is upon us, and and it's you know it's time to rise up, people. It's time to to stop being eye sheep, as as a friend of mine uh, uh, once said, and it's time to uh, <laughs> I love it. It's time to uh, to think different, and <laughs> which used to be the Apple way, right? But now um, you know that's that's uh, also I thought the uh, the presentations were very high quality overall. The teachers. Right. Um, Maybe it's because the schools were sending fewer, so they were sending their best and their brightest. But uh, uh, at TCEA, uh, almost all of the sessions are peer uh, presented. It's guys like you and me uh, um, are doing it, and and they are often um, hit or miss. But uh, I didn't go to a bad one this year. They were all uh, pretty good, and and I like that. Um, I had promised you uh, that we might do some interviews and some recordings, and we talked about our little uh, mobile recording rig that we took. We took it. We carried it around with us. And honestly, I'm just going to be blunt. We didn't find anybody interesting enough to record. Yeah, not not really. I mean, we had pictured going down onto the uh, the vendor floor, and uh, there were a few there, but I mean, not anything that we would even constitute as a show. Uh, right. so it was kind of, uh, it was kind of tough. We were sitting there going, well, we could walk around with this thing, but we're really probably, I guess we could have stretched to come up with right, a show, maybe a but, couple of two minute interviews or something, but really it just, there just wasn't a lot there. So I'm sorry to let you down. I was disappointed. I wanted to use my invention. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, <laughs> but it didn't, you know, it was duck. It was literally electrical tape and styrofoam. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was the very tiewad, but, uh, so I'm sorry about that. We don't have that extra content that we had hoped to have. It just wasn't there. Right. And, uh, uh, okay. So, uh, one more commercial advertisement, uh, uh, said, uh, at the, at the TCEA show, I talked a little bit about, uh, uh, CDI computer dealers. I'm going to give them a, a little more, um, of a plug today. Because as I've said, I can be bought, and Whoops. and they bought me. Um, I can give a. I, I'm sorry to the listeners who are not watching the live feed, but I can give like a visual too. I'll just put this is the water bottle. The water that bottle. They gave the, me. The, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the fifty cent water bottle. Right. Uh, yeah. um, well, this show is being recorded on a laptop provided by uh, CDI computer dealers, and uh, and it's not just that uh, you know they have me in their uh, their back pocket, which they didn't give me enough. This laptop was good enough uh, for that but uh, again uh, going back to that year of the Taiwan thing what CDI computers does is they sell refurbed computers uh, and they're uh, Dell's largest uh, refurb distributor so uh, a lot of uh, businesses will uh, lease d- computers from Dell it's a big part of Dell's business and right. so they'll take a top-of-the-line computer Sit it in some uh, middle manager's office for eighteen to twenty-four months, uh, where he plays solitaire and free sell on it, uh, and then in Farmville, right in Farmville, yeah. <laughs> and and then at the end of the lease period, they have to get rid of it somewhere. And so their their business model is brilliant. Essentially, they get these computers for free. They call, tell the companies and they tell Dell, look, we'll come in and we'll pick up all your computers for you, so that you don't have to deal with that. Right. Um, Dell doesn't want their three-year-old computers back, their two-year-old computers back. They don't want that, uh, and and the co- uh, businesses don't want them. So this third party, the CDI, comes in and says, "Here, we'll take those off your hands." Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> and they get a bunch of free computers, and then they take them back and they clean them up and they recertify them, quote unquote, and uh, and then they sell them at about a third to a half the cost of that same gear. Now let's talk about uh, the school where I'm in right now. The computers that are in here are in their third year of of uh age okay um they were top of the line at the time when we bought them they were the best we could afford they're now three years old they're still good machines right now 
I can't go out and really buy that hardware anymore because it's three years old. But these machines that are coming off of lease from, from Dell are almost the exact same specs. Maybe not the same hardware, but very similar specs. So for schools like us, when you're dealing with a fleet of three and four and five year old machines anyway, you can buy these machines that are two or three years old and they may, might even be an upgrade, but they're certainly not a downgrade. And you're swapping things out at a third the cost of what you would pay for new. Right. So that's why I'm bullish on refurbs. And CDI, the reason I'm bullish on them as a company is some of their uh, policies are, are uh, pretty awesome. Uh, they're a Canadian company, and Canadians are really nice people, uh, it seems. So uh, We have a couple of great <laughs> Canadian listeners, so, so yeah, um, uh, go, eh? So, <laughs> so one of the things they do, being a Canadian company and dealing uh, with American businesses, shipping is kind of a big deal, right? you got to ship things back and forth, and it, it costs money, and it takes time. So if you buy 100 machines from CDI, they send you 105, you have a parts clause. I made up that five, but they send you a certain amount over three, four, five percent over right. uh, for a parts closet. So if one of your machines has a hardware problem, you just swap it out and then worry about the four day shipping that it's going to take to ship it from Texas back to Ontario. Um, right. And then they take care of all that. So I don't know of any other company that does that. And that's at no cost. They just send you more than you ask for. Or if you would, if you're a, a, a screw turner guy and you want to, to, to do the, the thing yourself, um, they'll send you an equivalent number of hard drives. They'll send you five extra hard drives and five extra motherboards and you can do it that way if you want. But they leave that entirely up to you and that's just part of their service. And these computers come with a three-year warranty uh, 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 straight from Dell. So they're still under warranty when you get them. And and so it's it's really a great time uh, to be looking into that sort of thing. We looked into it uh, last year, bought some. We'll be buying more in the future. And so uh, thanks, CDI, for the laptop. And, guys, if you haven't uh, done it, check them out. CDI Computer Dealers, um, ask for Elaine. She's our sales rep. She's really good, and she's kind of hot, too. So, you know, if you... Tall and skinny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so if my... you like that type. <laughs> that's my commercial endorsement. And so uh, Sean has something in there that says, calling all teachers. What's that about, Sean? Right. Well, it just, uh, you know, since we were talking about TCEA and uh, uh, we did our presentation down there, and uh, uh, it was it was really fun for me because I had a lot of teachers just kind of bombard me, right? They came uh, after, the, after the show was over, uh, and of course, you, you didn't get to see this, uh, even though you might have heard our, our, our presentation show um uh, it was funny to watch the masses of our of who was in there uh the the geek guys walk over yeah, to all Mark. the hardware geeks came to me right and then i had all the teachers coming over to me and uh, so that was really fun. It was really nice. Uh, and I just wanted to throw out there that uh, teachers, uh, one, you're going to look at a lot of what we do in our show and our, our site and everything. And uh, you might not see nearly uh, as much uh, in that material for you, I guess I should, uh, I guess that's the best way to word it. <clears throat> uh, but that's really just a function of, uh, of our listenership. So, uh, you know, we want to hear from you. We want you listening to the show and, uh, we do tend to bounce back and forth, uh, between, uh, high heavy geek content and then the classroom content and, uh, administrative type stuff. So, uh, by all means, uh, you know, Hop on there. There is a teacher portion of the site. I uh, definitely peruse it and have uh, talked to a few teachers since since then. Uh, so it's been nice to see them on there. So just want to say, calling all teachers, uh, come on and check us out. And right. uh, 
but at in the same breath, uh, forgive us for this one because this well, is a heavy geek show. <laughs> also, the more of them, the more teachers that we have in the forum, the more they can benefit from each other. Right. And so it's not, it, it, it's, it's, we're, we're defi- deficient in that category is that we're not classroom teachers and we don't have 30 years of experience with that. But it's not hard to get a group of people who do to interact with each other. Right. And I, I really think, and we had hoped to, uh, from the very beginning is also serve as some sort of a go between, right? So, uh, to try to br- build a bridge and, uh, uh, bridge that gap between the tech and the teacher. That was a very Bill Clinton thing to say right there. We're going to yeah. build a bridge to the 21st century. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> maybe see that's yeah yeah I, I should go into politics uh but uh certainly we'd like to serve that function as well so uh you know hopefully the show can serve as that where you can listen and kind of get a, a perspective of both sides so i don't know what the non-geek perspective would be on this particular show other than uh, that your geek guys have to uh, worry about stuff like this right. but uh so uh with we, that said we did meet a, a great teacher there sean do you remember her name i i don't remember her name and she tracked uh, us down in the hallway uh literally like tackled us well, right no, not really but uh she stopped us and, and talked about it. and she had uh, a podcast already and she's looking at, at expanding it and she had a great url that she was going to say and i'm not going to mention it because i just checked and it hasn't been bought yet and i don't want somebody else out there to go steal it right uh but uh that we we found a couple of teachers but this one woman in particular who um are just passionate about the art of podcasting as well as the art of education and that that was a great thing to see and uh, uh i hope that we can do some partnership with, with partnerships with these sorts of people out there i mean uh we'll come on on your show and we'll have you on our show and we'll release them both on on both networks and and let's let's do this thing right let's bring this this art of podcasting and the art of education together and uh, I'm really excited about uh, the potential that we saw out there. Uh, we kind of thought we were sort of loners in this, but when we when we got out there and started talking with people, we realized that we're, we're not uh, as alone in the sea as we thought. Absolutely, absolutely. And to the teachers that were asking about what I'm what I'm working on currently in the classroom, uh, yes, there that content will be forthcoming as as it goes along and usually that's going to be more in the beginning of the show i might touch on you know something interesting that we're doing but uh but uh maybe further on down the road after uh, after this semester is over and uh i've run the entire gamut of what i'm going to do there uh i might have a show about it all right yeah and so um let's do uh excuse me um (coughs) you'll make it one last thing before we uh, get to our guest, who is uh, um, patiently waiting on us yes. as we babble. Um, uh, one last thing. Uh, we've been hounding on you folks to send us uh, voicemails through Google Voice. Uh, yes. Some of you finally did. And as promised, I'm going to play some of them for you. <laughs> and so our very first uh, Google Voice um, message came from uh, one of our uh, listeners that we've already spotlighted in the listener spotlight, and that is uh, 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 Bjorn Berent of AskBJ.net, and he has this to say. Hey, guys. Love listening to your show each week. Keep it up. Thank you. Bye. Okay, so maybe that wasn't all that profound. Yeah, I was going to say monumental. But he was the first. <laughs> yes, got to So that's the, the equivalent of the YouTube posters who write first under the <laughs> under the comments. So Bjorn, you were first. And then we have another one here uh from a fellow who calls himself the Redneck Geek. And so I'm going to play that for you. Hello Mark and Sean. My name is Jim Beeson, otherwise known as the Redneck Geek. 
I don't have anything to say except uh, you got a great show, and I don't know if I'm the very first caller, but every time I've heard your show recently, uh, it sounds like that you're uh, needing somebody to call in, so I guess I'll be first. I enjoy your show, learn a lot from it, even though I'm not in the education realm, and and I didn't even find your show on the on the fog episode. I just happened to stumble across it one day. So great show. Keep up the good work. See you soon, brother. Oh, right. there you go you Thanks. know that that and that's something that uh, uh is interesting to me because we have a number of listeners that are not even in the education world uh and we just stumble across them one by one but uh they would love to have that uh, it's it says that maybe we're doing something right i guess <laughs> All right, so BJ, John, thanks for being the first ones. And uh, we have uh, others. I didn't want to blow them all in one show, so we'll be uh, 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 playing those uh, in episodes to come. If you want to be on the uh, uh, our uh, chat. Yeah, that, so you, what, uh, the, you got a little sound pop or something yeah, there that I just it, threw it you off. Yeah, it blew my mind. Yeah, it was, <laughs> just, just, my mic sort of went nuts, and it, it, it messed with my head. Um, if you want to be um, – God, what's going on there? Sorry about that. Are you putting a marker? No, I don't intend to edit this out. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> Sounds good. If you want to uh, to show up as as one of our uh, voicemail subscriber submitters, uh, uh, that number is five three zero frugal two. We'll mention right. that again at the end of the show. Uh, so thanks for for doing that, uh, Bjorn and John, and, uh, and we look forward to uh, in the future. And and you know, as they showed, you don't actually have to have anything to say, and that's yeah, okay. Sure. If all you want to do is parrot John, uh, Sean and say, great show, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Well, we're not going to play every one. Yeah, I, we probably will at this point because <laughs> we have so few of them. <laughs> okay, so enough of that. Let's move on to, uh, again, our special guest for the week, Dirk Morris of Untangle. Dirk, I gave a brief introduction uh, previously, so uh, let's uh, let you do a better job of that. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, your experience in the IT industry, and uh, what brought you to the position you're in now. I, I, firstly, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on the show. It's great to uh, have an opportunity to tell some people about Untangle. Um, a little bit about my, my background. I'm I'm out of a technical background, so an engineer, software engineer by nature, and I started out in security. Many years ago, spent some time at computer emergency response team. Um, from there, went into the enterprise market and um, worked as an architect in there for a while and discovered just a lot of issues that companies were dealing with connecting to the Internet and decided, well, there's a big opportunity, we think, here. Uh, so about 10 years ago, oh, wow, yeah, almost 10 years ago now, 2002 time frame, we left our companies and, and started Untangle. So... You know, the, the net of it is I'm about 15 years in the industry and I've been doing security most, most of my life. Okay. And like so often happens, uh, you were essentially a guy that was really kind of needing to scratch your own itch. I mean, that's where the, the idea of all this came from, right? Exactly. You know, being a technical guy, I'm sure all you guys are familiar with, you just get asked questions all the time about how to deal with this and how to deal with that. And, you know, you get a real, real feel being in the industry about all the pains that people are dealing with. Um, especially those companies that have smaller budgets or schools, especially, you know, just, just the whole non-enterprise market that don't have these huge IT staffs and huge budgets. They just deal with a lot of issues. And so we just lived that life and said, there's got to be a better solution there. 
Okay. Well, let's just start with uh, your better solution. Uh, give us a uh, quick overview. What is Untangle for the uninitiated? So Untangle is a piece of software you installed at your gateway. So you install it on a, any PC you have laying around. We also sell appliances if you just want an appliance. And basically, you install it at the edge of your network. So it's a firewall. If you already have a firewall in place, you can stick it behind your firewall in bridge mode, uh, but just somewhere between all the clients and the Internet. And basically, it helps you deal with all the complexity of being connected on the Internet. Uh, so that can be everything from security, just making sure our viruses and spam stay out, to helping you control what people do on the network, so making sure they're not looking at porn or not wasting all the day doing, you know, playing Farmville or whatever. <laughs> do people do that? I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Is that a, a real problem in the world? <laughs> Teachers do it. <laughs> Yes, and it does monitor, just so you guys know. So if you're spending all day on Farmville, you know, it's pretty easy to look in the reports and see, just so you're aware. <laughs> well, that would be us anyway, <laughs> looking at those. <laughs> okay, so uh, you described Untangle as, as a, a gateway and appliance. Uh, just to, to go back there, it totally takes over the hardware you put it on, right? It, uh, you can't install it on a spare server and continue to use that server as a server, right? That, that's correct. It wipes out the machine and basically it turns it into a dedicated appliance. Right. It makes so whatever you box you. ISO file. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. You, you I was going to say you download an ISO file and burn it to a CD and you install it just kind of like any OS. Right. You put the CD in the machine and you boot from that CD and it's going to wipe that machine out and basically turn it into an untangled server. Okay. I just wanted to make that clear because uh, that is a question that comes up sometimes is, can I install it on my uh, DNS server? Uh, no, you probably don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does have uh, DHCP, DNS, all that good stuff built into it, uh, so it can be really your, your one gateway to the world, right? That's correct. In fact, a lot of companies just they'll put one box, they'll put it as their gateway, and it, the idea is instead of having you know, 20 different appliances that handle web filtering and spam filtering and DNS and DHCP and NAT and port forwarding and virus filtering and so on and so on. It's just one appliance that's going to handle all those things. So most places are just going to have one appliance, maybe two if they already had something existing that they don't want to rip out. Right. Um, that's That was our case here. We had a firewall that had been in place for several years. Didn't want to go through and recreate all those rules and everything, so we just dropped our Untangle box behind it. And uh, initially, I set it up in a VM because I didn't trust you, uh, didn't think it was going to be any good, uh, and ran it that way for a, a, a little while. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we just recently put a, a, a nice new uh, uh, server out there and, and dropped it on there and... Um, the thing just runs. It's it really is an appliance. It's a toaster. You put bits in and bits come out, and it's it's really that easy. Great. It's good to hear. So I guess I, that is a lot of people install it right behind their existing firewall. Right. In fact, about forty percent of new installs are just you know I've got this firewall. I don't want to mess with it. We've got rules in there. Sometimes they can't mess with it. It's managed by somebody else. So just stick Untangle right behind it. So is there any reason that I should um, at some point remove my firewall and just leave Untangle? What what would I benefit if I did that? Um, so it, it's really personal preference. Some people want one less box to manage. Um, and also, if you do that, you can give Untangle a public IP. So a lot of times this firewall itself have a public IP. It'll be doing that. And you'll give Untangle behind it a, a private IP. But if you're running things like excuse me, VPNs, it's actually advantageous to have Untangle just have the IP because then you don't have to deal with forwarding the traffic from your public IP to the Untangle server. 
So it really depends on what you're using on Tangle 4. But if you're using things like VPN or you just want it to handle the port forwarding, um, it's easier to have one box. Uh, but if everything's working for you, I'd say that, you know, don't worry about it until until you really need to remove that box. Right. You've got your built-in VPN and intrusion detection and all that stuff, which doesn't work if it's behind something else, right? Well, it does. It's just it has extra complications. Well, the, right. the intrusion prevention works no matter what. Um, it's going to scan traffic going through the box. It doesn't really matter what where the server is on the network. It's going to scan whatever traffic's going through it. The VPN, because obviously external clients outside your network, be they at home or other networks, are connecting to Untangle, it's often easier if Untangle has a public IP. But you can set it up to where the the, the firewall that you already have that has a public IP will forward traffic to Untangle. It's just extra complications. Right. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the pricing uh, structure of Untangle. It is primarily uh, composed of open source uh, products, and so your base uh, components are free at no cost. Uh, but you have you know the freemium model. Once you have the the standard stuff in uh, in place, the base stuff, you can add to that. Uh, talk a little bit about why you chose to go that route. So that was one of the big decisions of Untangle, and uh, basically. We were looking at the market saying, you know, there's all these different projects out there, open source stuff, and they're, they're great technologies, um, and the price on them is continually going down. Um, we didn't think, you know, a firewall, particularly, everybody has a firewall in the firewall vending market. We didn't think antivirus was particularly, it's commodity nowadays. So we just said, you know what, let's be disruptive and just give it away for free. So we're going to give the platform away for free, and we're going to say firewall's free, intrusion prevention's free. Uh, antivirus is free. Uh, there's a web filter light application. So we just took a lot of the basically applications and markets that we thought were commoditizing and said, let's just give those away for free. Let's be disruptive. Let's get our name out there and get people adopting it. And it's very similar to, say, an iPhone model to where you get on your iPhone, you well, there's here's these free apps and here's these paid apps. We have the same exact thing. Some of our apps are free and some of our apps are paid. So by doing that, what we did is we got a lot of people using Untangle, a lot of people with the platform installed in their companies that can very easily just say, you know what, I'm going to try this paid application for 14 days. And if I decide it's worth it afterwards, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. So basically what that did was give us a route to, to reach small business and schools because they're particularly hard to reach through traditional marketing means. Uh, so that was what the freemium did for us, was help us get our name out there and get our product out there. Okay, and so let's talk about those parts that you've add on the paid parts. Um, do uh, are those things that you've coded in house uh, without any open source components, or are they still built on open source components, but that you're uh, modifying and, and monetizing? Um, it depends. It's it's all over the map. So in some cases, what we generally do is say we're you know we're untangled. We have tens of thousands of, of companies out there using our server. And we want to release a new product. We go out there and say, you know, what is the best technology that we think is applicable to our market? And say, you know, just recently, which I'll get into hopefully in a few minutes, we just rolled out a web cache. So we went out and talked to our market and we said, God, they all want web caching. Uh, bandwidth controls being a big issue. Saving bandwidth is a big issue. So what we did is we went out there and we looked at all the different web caches available in web cache technologies. So we're very big on harnessing the, the best of breed technologies out there. We don't want to try to be the best at everything. Um, there are several companies in the, in the gateway slash firewall market that do that, but we're, we're not one of them. Um, so we went out there and we looked across the board 
for great technology and said, which one of these technologies can we leverage and deliver a product to our customers? Um, so in some cases, um, antivirus being a case, we actually have a free antivirus, but we also have partnered with Kaspersky and we use their antivirus engine to scan all the traffic on your network. So there's a Kaspersky antivirus app. Um, there's also a ComTouch spam booster application, which helps catch spam. Um, there's also a web filter application, which is provided from a third party, which has a categorization service. So a lot of these cases, we've actually OEM'd or, or partnered with other companies to deliver their products on the platform. In a select few cases, we've said, okay, we can't find an applicable commercial vendor, but we have this great open source technology. We just need to put some work into it. Um, and open source technology, what we found is they tend to be excellent technologies. In fact, oftentimes they're the best. And, you know, in the case of the spam filter, spam assassin is actually one of the best out there. Um, but what we found is, you know, they're not products. They don't have UIs at all, a lot of the time. Um, they're not really productized. They're not easy to use. They're not easy to install. They're not documented a lot of the time. So what we do is take them and productize them. And sometimes that's extremely difficult. And sometimes it's, it's not that difficult. Um, but basically those are the two scenarios. We partner OEM with a commercial company or we, we take some open source and really productize it and then we roll it out as an application. You know, that uh, makes me think of one thing. Uh, we always bash on people because of, uh, you know, uh, things being all about the pretty, right? And especially the end user, it's all about the pretty and not, not whether it's actually good or not. And it's, it's so funny because, uh, you know, not in knocking Untangle in its capabilities at all, but it is funny that even among techs, when you talk about, uh, when you talk to techs about Untangle, uh, it's funny how much the UI comes up and how great the UI looks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we even get sucked into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, thanks for saying that. No, we, we take a lot of pride in making our UI pretty and quite usable. Um, because, you know, obviously, if you wanted to, you could go out there and find all these technologies, be they from commercial vendors or open source. It would just be a huge pain in the butt. And then, of course, you'd have to have all these servers everywhere. The whole goal of Untangle is to make all that easy. So part of it is... You know, we need to make a nice UI that elevates the important settings that users need to play with and then hides the other stuff and just make it work all the time so you don't have to worry about it. Awesome. Um, I did want to mention, uh, it was probably two years ago, I was doing a, uh, a presentation about a particular set of technology that we have here set up, and I just sort of mentioned offhand uh, about the open source uh, content filter we use called Untangle. And that you totally blew up my presentation from that point on. Every every question I had for like the next hour was about Untangle. I ended up bringing up the web interface and, and showing these. And this was this was about a hundred uh, uh, technology decision makers in the room. And um, you know, I, I just want to you know, basically accuse you of ruining my entire presentation <laughs> because once I started talking about it, um, it, uh, it really blew up. And that's kind of, uh, been my experience, uh, with it is, is, uh, once people see it, the first thing they think is, wow, this is awesome. And the second thing they think is, wow, this is free. Um, right. Well, and there's also, uh, and Dirk, I don't know how much you know this about the, the public education system, but there's a lot of smaller schools that don't exactly have the uber tech nerd, uh, in charge of all this stuff. So the, the simpler, this interface, I mean, it's, it's nice if you, if you are that, uh, what we call the neckbeards, uh, you know, if you're one of those guys and you can, you know, and you've just made it nice and a little bit easier to, to, uh, you know, 
poke around things, and that's great. But if you're not one of those guys, uh, this interface is simple enough that it's, uh, you know, it's very uh, navigable and uh, fairly easy to use. That, that's great. I mean, that's that's 100% been our goal is that, you know, we, we sell to a lot of schools, especially small schools, you know, charter schools, things along those lines. Um, and a lot of times, you know, they'll have one IT guy or even a, an IT guy that's part-time and half of his time is supposed to be doing some other thing. Um, so they really don't have the time to sit around and learn all the intricacies of, you know, how to use the command line Linux and fool with it all day. They just need something simple that's going to work for them. Um, and free obviously helps kind of ease the adoption. You know, right. hey, download for free, play with it, see what you think. Yeah, and I'm because I'm just budget. I'm just going to say I've been using it for about three years now, and I've never paid you a dime. Sorry about that. Um, Hopefully, we can come up with something that you'll like, though. Well, I, you know, I, I've, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm I'm going to get a little mean with you. Um, uh, I'm looking at your uh, your website right now, your education package, and uh, for my uh, institution, I would have to be the 501 to 1500 PC range, and. Um, we're looking at uh, a cost of, of of your three year plan. There says eight thousand um, dollars. Is that eight thousand dollars for three years? Is that what that is, or is that eight thousand dollars a year? No, that's eight thousand dollars for three years. Okay. Basically, if if you if you buy three years up front, you get a steep discount. Okay. Um, because you're getting the three years up front, um, you can choose to buy it monthly if you want to pay every month. Um, you can choose to buy it a year or two year or three year. Right. And obviously the two and three years come with heavy discounts. The one year comes with a 10% discount over monthly. Okay. Now I saw that, uh, the, the, the one year, the 3000 a year. So that, uh, let's talk about your, this basic package here. It comes with a, a web filter. Now the free one has a web filter and it is as a, basically like a squid guard thing, right? It just, it's just a, a, a site blocker. Uh, does your advanced yeah. filter, is it more content specific? Is it scanning the, the pages, uh, and, and making, uh, intelligent decisions that way? Or is it just more sites to block? Um, it's a combination of features and a better database. Okay. Uh, so on the on the features side uh, or on the database side, basically it's a service more so than a filter. The the web filter light is a a community maintained database, and it has a, a pretty good listing of porn sites, but it's by no means complete. Um, and it will you know you throw it in there and you'll be able to see if people are going to Playboy.com and block them if you want. Um, the web filter uses a service to categorize sites on the fly. So, if, you know, it has 450 million sites versus a million sites already in the database. And then if it's never seen a site before, it'll actually talk to the service saying, what category is this? If that service has never seen it, it's going to categorize it on the fly using a whole team of people and some AI. So basically, it's categorizing the whole Internet on the fly. Um, it also does things like HTTPS filtering and you put passwords on block pages and really just some more features that, that bigger organizations need. All right. And probably the thing that, that draws in most people is your directory connector, which lets you have active directory uh, connectivity to it. Um, tell me about that. What does that allow me? Sell me on this. Maybe by the end of the day I'll click that uh, buy now button. Um, <laughs> I would definitely encourage you to click on the trial button because there's no, you know, there's no hurdles to jump through. You just click on trial and you can give the app a trial. Uh, but Directory Connector, what it does is it just helps untangle know about users because it connects your Active Directory system. And there's a couple ways you can do that. Um, one is if you just wanted to know a report by user. Um, so organizations where people move around a lot, it's not very useful looking at a report by IP. 
So if you run the directory connector and then you s install the script using a group policy object to say alert untangle when somebody logs in, untangle now knows usernames for all the traffic that's it's seeing. So in the report, you can say, I want to look at Dirk's report and see what he did over the last week. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter what machine he was at. You're just going to look at Dirk's report. Um, it also does a couple other things like allow you to connect to Active Directory for authentication. So if you run a captive portal, um, a captive portal is basically an idea of, um, it's one of our apps. It, oftentimes you want to display a page before you allow somebody to the Internet that says, here's our acceptable use policy, or maybe you want to actually make them log in. Uh, like for instance, we do this here on wireless. On our guest wireless, we'll make people agree to, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna behave when I'm on the guest wireless. Um, you can actually ask for login and password on that capital page, and then authenticate that against Active Directory. So that's another way of just making sure that users on your network have an Active Directory login, and you know exactly who they are when they're doing anything. Can I alter my filtering based on that? Give teachers a, su a subset of filters and and students another, or even down to a, a particular individual? Absolutely. So one of the other apps is called Policy Manager. So those two, Policy Manager and Directory Connector, are one of the two most common apps that especially schools run. Um, and what that allow you to do is, so let's say Untangle now knows Dirk is logged in on this machine. It can actually query Active Directory through Directory Connector and say, what groups is Dirk in? And you can set up different policies and saying, okay, well, teachers get this teacher policy and students get this student policy and everybody else gets this third policy that's really restrictive. Um, so you can set up all sorts of different scenarios, and you can base it all off username and group name, uh, if you'd like, or time of day or machine or, you know, however you'd like to do it. Uh, but usually the, re the reason people get directory connectors is because they want to do it by group or username. All right. Okay, what other f uh, features come in that, that that I just can't live without in the education standard? Uh, see, I see a fish blocker, a tag blocker, protocol control. Protocol control, I really like. Um, uh, what I don't don't see, and I'm guessing it's in the more expensive one, is the bandwidth shaper. Um, yes. Um, tell me about that. So the, the the two apps that we recently rolled out that are really targeting educational market, uh, we just talked to a lot of them, and they all said, you know, one of our biggest pains yeah, we have security issues. Yeah, we have making sure students don't do crazy things all day and browse porn. But really, we're having issues with bandwidth because schools just don't have a lot of bandwidth. Uh, either do companies for that matter. And a lot of people are really starting to download rich media all the time. So they're having major problems on dealing with bandwidth. And what bandwidth control does is an app that basically you install it. The first thing it says is what type of organization are you you can tell what type of organization. It has predefined rules, and we built these rule sets based off feedback. Uh, so we actually have like a, you know, a, a school rule set um, that we built based on schools' feedback. And what it does is it installs this big list of bandwidth control rules that says, okay, educational sites are important. Make sure those are high priority. Um, DNS is important because it really improves the internet experience. Um, RDP is important. You know, all these different things are important, but BitTorrent is not important. In fact. BitTorrent, if you see that, the user should be penalized heavily. And Facebook is not as important. And YouTube for entertainment is not as important. So basically it has all these rules that say, you know, allocate bandwidth intelligent based on the use of the network that you want. Um, you want educational things, obviously, the school to be prioritized over non-educational things like playing games, downloading stuff, using peer-to-peer -peer and things along those lines. So it really helps you just kind of clamp and control all that chaos um, because if you just leave it untouched, what happens is the, the applications that request most bandwidth get the most bandwidth, um, and that tends to be peer-to-peer -peer applications, 
and videos and things like that at the expense of all the, you know, work or school related activities. Very good. Okay, uh, let's jump ahead. You mentioned uh, this uh, new thing that you just rolled out. You have a new release, uh, what, just this week? Is that right? Yeah, just rolled out, brand new, a um, couple new features and a brand new application called WebCache. Okay, let's talk about that. So WebCache is, is probably the most requested feature we've ever had on Tangle. People have been asking for it for years. Um, it was particularly difficult to do. I won't go into the details why, but... Technically speaking, it was very hard to install WebCache on Tangle. Um, so we're very excited to finally have this available. It works just like WebFilter in the, in the other applications. You install it on Untangle, and basically all the web traffic that's going through Untangle, it's going to say, do I have this in my local cache? If not, it's, of course, going to go to the Internet and fetch it. This all happens transparently. And then, of course, when it fetches it from the Internet, it's going to store it on the local cache at the same time it gets it to the client. So if anybody comes, you know, two seconds later and says, I want to grab this image off the web, it's going to look in that cache. And, of course, if it's in the cache, it's going to feed it up and off the cache. So Which, what, uh, well, that, I mean, uh, that, that happens quite a bit in education. I mean, we, we'll have entire classrooms of kids accessing the entire, you know, the same site or uh, same web page. Uh, so uh, just jumping in there. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was... We wondered a lot, and of course, you can download the 40, 14 day trial and see how much it does on your network. Ah, uh, so but that's not days. part of the free package. Ah, uh, there's the rub. Oh, okay. <laughs> the free 14 day trial. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, you can see exactly how much it'll do on your network, and and some days it'll only save five percent of your traffic, and some days it'll save fifteen percent of your traffic. You know, which is quite a bit. Right. Um, you know, you get things like Windows updates. Well, if you have 200 machines, and let's say Tuesday Microsoft rolls out an update, well, the nice thing is now the first machine that gets that update, it's going to store it in the cache. So every machine, which then updates an hour later, two hours later, or whatever, they spread them out over time. We'll just fetch it right out of the cache. So you get these really common scenarios where you're getting a lot of people doing the same thing. It saves a lot of bandwidth, but it also really speeds up the internet experience because you're not going to download that image 100 times. You're now going to you know, serve it out of the cache this, the 99 times after you've downloaded the first time. So now, let me ask you this. Get better experience. Is it smart enough to do things uh, on the fly? Uh, for example, uh, the president gives his uh, annual address to students, and every teacher in my school wants to stream it. Um, and is it smart enough to, to pick the, the that this is being asked for a number of times, or does it have to be completely downloaded once before it can be cached? It, it depends on how it's implemented on the covers, unfortunately. So some video, the way it is, is streamed, it's not cacheable. Um, it's just streaming bits. So the webcast can't always cache streaming videos. But if it's a file or it comes in chunks or things like that, um, it can cache it. Okay. But usually real-time events aren't going to work because you've got 100 people viewing it in real time. Um, right. So you know they're looking at the image at the same time. There's no, there's no time for the cache to save it and then feed it to the next person. How, how so long are those items cached? I, I'm trying to get a picture of uh, you know what kind of uh, space this is going to take up on your server. Um, so it, it automatically calibrates the amount of space based on how much space you have in your server. Um, we haven't really found a big correlation between the amount of space and, and performance, but um, it's not an easy question to answer because basically the HTTP protocol says 
when it's fetching something, you know, the server can say, oh, I have a new version or I don't have a new version because obviously web browsers today have a lot of caching built in. Right. So the HTTP protocol has a lot of ways to specify when an object is obsolete or not. Um, so when the cache fills up, let's say you've got a five gig cache um, and we're fetching a new object and we say, we don't have this object. We're going to look in the cache and say, what was the least recently useful object? Um, we haven't used this in you know, 10 days. Uh, we can probably throw that out and create space. So basically, it uses a least recently used algorithm to say, you know, what do I need to free up to store this potentially useful object? And obviously, it's not going to throw away things that are frequently used. And is that that's configurable by the user? No, this is all behind the scenes. Okay. So um, you can get on the command line and mess with this stuff, but really, I would encourage people not to. It's just meant to work and be maintenance-free, you know, detecting obsolete obsolete objects in the cache is something that HTTP handles and is probably best not mess with because the server is actually responsible for specifying that. So we've had a lot of people request, you know, can I clear the cache and so on, but really it's, you know, it's a maintenance free. Um, you can go in and totally flush the cache if you want, but other than that, it's a maintenance free solution. Okay. Anything else in this new version that uh, you want to point out? Um, not off the top of my head. I was trying to think of, um, we did have a couple nice features um, and improvements and bug fixes, but I can't think of any on the top of my head that would be really, really important to talk about. Now, those of us that are having a, an established box running, uh, is it going to go out and grab this and update for us? Uh, I know it did that between, uh, like, in the 7 range, but now that we're in the 8 range, is it going to do that too, or do I have to have some manual intervention there? Um, you don't have to do anything. if you don't, it, it, When you install by default, it has automatic upgrades on. Um, so if you are left it on, like most users do, you're probably already running a new version. So if you want to go give Webcast a try, you just got to give it one click and install it and give it a try. Um, yeah, and I just want to say, what you just said there is absolutely true. The The installing of, of apps on this thing really is one click. Uh, whether they're right. the, the free or the paid, you just click a button and boom, it shows up. And let's talk about the an- analogy a little bit for people who haven't seen it. Uh, you, you call them racks. So you have yes. uh, a rack of gear, just like you might see in your server room, and it's even graphically laid out in that way. So if you want to add your uh, ad blocker, you just click that and, and this upon Appliance is added to your rack and now is, is part of your uh, thing. And then you have the ability to have multiple racks that do different levels of, of things for different situations. Talk a little bit about uh, that capability. So actually, originally, way back years ago, we were looking at, you know, how are we visually going to represent this many features and knobs and buttons and, and still make it simple? And that's a pretty daunting task. You know, if you were just to say, look at this plethora of functions and features, it's going to be really hard to manage. So obviously we need to break it down into some functional units. Um, so we looked at metaphors to do that through a graphical user interface. Um, and one of the, the neatest ones we found was music software. Um, I don't know if you guys play with much music software, but there's several music vendors out there that sell software that basically have racks where you put music equipment in this little virtual rack and you can wire it up in different ways and achieve different effects. And we said, wow, that's a great metaphor because, you know, it used to be all this audio equipment was hardware and you'd stack it in a physical rack and you could do all sorts of things with it. And they've basically taken that and done it in software and tried to make it much simpler. Um, so we love that metaphor. Um, so basically what we did is let's say let's, you know, um, similar to an enterprise, an enterprise will actually go out there, by the way, and buy a firewall and they'll buy a separate web filter and they'll buy a separate spam filter and a separate email server and, you know, a separate bandwidth control packeteer box. And 
they'll have a whole rack physical filled with appliances. So we said, why don't we just inside the UI mimic that and say, call maps and you can install a virtual rack or a virtual appliance into your virtual rack on the right hand side. So that was kind of where that metaphor came from. Um, and then dealing with policies we found was, was tricky because we didn't want to make the UI super complicated to, in every side inside every application to have it deal with how do I manage all these different policies. So what we said is, well, why don't we just allow people to set different racks up, physically separate, so you could have your teacher rack and your student rack and, you know, your after-hours rack or whatever you like, and then you install the apps that you want to run those different policies at the different times. Um, so that was a little bit about where that where that metaphor came from, and I, I think we, we, we like the metaphor quite a bit, and I think techies tend to understand it because, well, they've seen server racks. They may not have one because they may not have the budget, but... Um, Obviously, they, they understand the ability of it. And what makes that really uh, great is uh, for like the different filtering we were talking about, you simply go into your teacher rack and allow this website, and, and now anybody who's, who, whose policy says they're using that rack does it. It, it. It's like having a different room, a different server room that you walk into for each group of people. Uh, it really makes uh, segmenting things logically uh, as easy as it, as it does to segment them physically. I think it's a great metaphor, and uh, it's the only thing I've ever seen like it. And uh, it's, it's that and the reporting are really the two things that sold me on Untangle. Uh, the extensiveness of the reports is unmatched in anything I've ever seen. Not not just how much information you get, but how easily read they are. It's it's in plain English and easy to understand. Yeah, we've we've worked hard on getting the reports to be something that are both accurate and simple and and quite easy to glance at, um, especially around web filtering. That always is the hot button. You know what's <laughs> what's so and so doing on the web all day. Um, how many hours are they spending on this site and things like that. So we've worked hard. I mean, part of that comes from, obviously, Untangle, you install on a server. So it has a hard drive right there. And it's constantly, all these applications are logging data into a database. So it's not log files like a typical firewall. Um, so the advantage is when we generate reports, we have a database there to query. So it's much easier to craft these interesting queries that say, you know, what are my top 10 sites by amount of time? Um, or by bytes, or who are my top policy violators, and things like that. So what we've done with the reports there is basically broken it out and say, let's just run a bunch of interesting queries and, and see if we can bring some interesting information so that people can see what's going on in their networks, which is a lot difficult, uh, very difficult without, without an appliance looking at the traffic. Interesting story about that. We were having, we were in a, a bit of a bandwidth crunch, uh, and uh, we're looking for that thing that was sucking up all the bandwidth and and we looked through the reports and found this one thing that neither of us recognized and it was uh, consuming a, a tremendous amount of bandwidth so we just blocked it and said we'll wait and see who yells um, right <laughs> you know that's the way techs do things right we block it and see who yells and uh, uh, our bandwidth got better, and it wasn't a big issue, and nobody said anything for a long time. And then right. uh, it's been three or four weeks, and one of the coaches said, "This this software that we bought to uh, to do our video highlights on isn't working anymore. It hasn't for a couple of weeks." I went, 
a couple of weeks. Huh. <laughs> Let me try something. So I've turned that back on and it started working. And what it was is they were uploading all of their videos for all of their football games and then streaming those out to multiple stations and doing their cuts and their edits. And yeah, they were using a lot of bandwidth and they were allowed to use a lot of bandwidth because that's, you know, that's what they paid for. So we encouraged them to take that to off, uh, after hours as much as possible. But it was interesting that that report led us to that information. Yeah, that I've heard that story so many times, which is that the the reason people and this especially comes from in businesses, the CEO says, why is the network slow? So what does the, the techie do? Well, he needs to figure out why the network's slow. <laughs> so of course, thing he does is run the reports and say, let's just start looking around and see if we can see anything going on uh, um, and then figure out how to deal with it. So one, one of the things that the new bandwidth control app will do for you is say, in that case specifically, so they're editing videos. You don't want to block that because, well, it is a legitimate use of the network. But at the same time, you don't want to dominate, you know, browsing exactly. the web and looking at Wikipedia. So what you can do is you can classify that traffic using rules. So you could say, you know what, this is a medium priority or even a low priority, which will give it a smaller percentage over more important things. So instead of saying splitting at 50-50, which is probably what it's doing today, the way, you know, if, if you don't manage balance at all, each TCP connection gets an equal amount of bandwidth. Right. So what happens is, is you know, the more you request, the more you get. Um, so with that, you could say, hey, I'm going to prioritize this low. They'll still get bandwidth, but if somebody goes on to Wikipedia, which is an educational site, then they'll get more bandwidth. And then, of course, if they don't use that extra bandwidth, the, the person doing the video editing will get it. So it kind of trickles down and sets up a priority system so that you can just hands off say, you know what, it's allowed, you can do whatever you want. And you don't have to worry about it stealing bandwidth from the more important task. I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> that's how it works on the inside. It does. I like the idea. Um, just a question that occurred to me, uh, back to the pricing thing. I, if I have to buy for the, uh, say I buy from the 151 to 500 PC range, what happens when the 501st PC hits? Um, how does it handle that? Um, so we, we basically work with you to say, um, you know, okay, we've detected that you're over your band. Um, you know, is this a common thing? Should we talk about pricing? Um, there's no hard limit or anything built in. We do monitor to make sure you're not, you know, 50% over your user right. band. Okay, so uh, it dials, it calls uh, home and alerts you, and then you alert me. That's how that works? Exactly. Okay. Um, so there's just monitors built in that says, and we price, by the way, not a number of devices, but number of people. So if you have... You know, 500 students. Well, you've got 500 students. Um, so it's not like, you know, adding printers and things like that counts, unlike most vendors. Okay. So we're not really looking at the number of devices. We're not going to cut off the 501st device on the network. You know, if you call us and say, hey, we're up to 550 users, we'll say, okay, well, we'll, help, we'll move you to the next user band. Um, but, you know, you don't have to worry about tracking the number of devices on the network at any given time. Okay. And uh, you had one last uh, bit of good news for our listeners. Uh, you have a special offer for us. What, what is that? Absolutely. So I talked to our head of sales and said, I'm going to be talking to a bunch of guys. Is there anything we can do for them? He said, sure, let's, let's create a coupon. So we have a coupon that will give you a 10% discount. I don't know how long this lasts. I think it's a couple weeks. Um, I can check up on that. But basically, when you're checking out, if you use the coupon code GET10OFF, and that's G-E-T-1-0-O-F-F, you will get a 10% discount. Yay. So in the next awesome. couple of weeks, if you use that, you get 10% off anything, I think. So if you, 
if you buy the three year package, which is already a thirty percent discount, then you get ten percent off of that. So you get a full one third off the regular price. There you get thirty three percent. So that's a good it, deal. It does stack on top of the other the other discounts. So we like that. That way we can live up to our name a little bit, save some yes. people some money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, Derek, I, you've been with us a, a while here, and I don't want to monopolize your afternoon, so I'll just leave it to you here. Is there anything, any last words or anything you want to uh, say before we uh, say goodbye? No, I really appreciate you having us on and giving us an opportunity to tell more people about Untangle. And if we can help you guys and improve your lives, please give us a chance, give us a try, and um, give us some feedback. we got forums at Untangle.com. You can jump on and give us some feedback and ask questions, or you can give us a call on our support line we'll be glad to help you well thanks again guys for having me on all right absolutely thanks for coming on thank you Dirk. we appreciate it so that was Dirk Morris, the founder and chief technology officer of Untangle Corporation untangle.com uh, a product that uh, we like a lot um, we uh, don't get any kickbacks or anything. Darn it, we tried um, <laughs> for that. Uh, but it's a product that we like and uh, and uh, and that uh, has been a, a topic of conversation in the forums. And so uh, uh, we thought we'd get uh, Dirk on and talk about it. And I'm glad he did. It's uh, um, honestly, uh, it's a little less tightwad than I'd like it to be. It's kind of expensive. Uh, Maybe not expensive in the grand scheme of things. I'm sure you could look and find other components that don't do as much, that cost more. But for my budget at my little school, um, it's a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at this three-year for the uh, education premium is going to cost me $10,000. That is... Uh, Roughly fifteen percent of my say 15, total, 20%. total annual budget. Uh, that's a that's a pretty big expenditure for three years, and then three years more, I've got to do it again. Uh, but um, if it uh, if it works for you and it's worth the money, then great. But even if you choose not to pay him a dime, and I'm sorry, Dirk. I'm sorry to say this, <laughs> but even if you choose not to pay him a dime, the free stuff is really outstanding. Um, we use, uh, as he mentioned, the web filter is lame, and by design, it's lame. They want you to pay for it, but right. uh, we use that in conjunction with uh, OpenDNS, and uh, between the two, we have a really rock-solid content filter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen anything that has been through that shouldn't. Not to say that there's not. I mean, nothing's perfect, but right. those two together are pretty rock solid. And uh, Slipped in the chat room says he likes to see how it stacks up to a Starro. I'm not familiar with a Starro. I mean, I know who they are. I've never used it. Yeah, if, uh, you, if you listen to Leo Laporte right. at all, you've at least heard of a Starro. Anybody out there have any contacts with a Starro, let us know, and maybe maybe we'll try to get them on. We'll, we'll duke it out. We'll have an Untangle versus a Starro uh, or something like that. Uh, so anyway, that's, a, that's Untangle for you, and I, uh, I really want to hear what you guys uh, have to say about it. Uh, let us know if you're using it or if you've tried to use it or if there's something that's better. Uh, um, but I think where Untangle really hits the sweet spot is that, uh, uh, for the, um, the guy who's not a tech but is in charge of technical things. Uh, somebody like, you know, Tux2 in our chat room, uh, has no need for the pretty stuff of Untangle. In fact, he probably right. doesn't like it. I can see him looking at it going, ah, gooey, give me, where's the command line? Where's the right. command line? Um, <laughs> And so he would, he would go in there and, and, and set things up and, and chain a bunch of boxes together and get exactly the same functionality or more, uh, at no cost. But Untangle is great because it's, um, uh, it's so simple and, and as, you know, 
my my time um, is stretched enough in my job as it is. I don't want to have to be slogging through the command line if I don't have to. If I right. have to, I can and I will, but I'd rather not. So um, that's where I think Untangle is really in that butter zone of of easy to use and still works really well. Right, and then there's uh, I mean we know we know uh, of a number of them out there uh, guys that are in Mark's position, you know, run pretty much running the show, but really, who are idiots, right? <laughs> uh, that's Mark at <laughs> TightwadTech.com. Hey, these people are too dumb to send me email, so that's not going to be right, a problem. right. Uh, but uh, but certainly, yeah, there's those out there that don't have the uh, technical knowledge, and yet. I mean, could still get this thing up and running and, uh, and configure it. And, you know, it might take a little bit of work, but, uh, it's really nice and simple. So, uh, good stuff. All right. And so now we will move on. See, I said, all right, again, that's just my like default transition. I just say, sure. all right, all the time. Good show. So that means right. I get to say what it is, is pretty soon. Right? right. Uh, so this, uh, we're going to move right on to our tips of the week. Uh, and this tip comes to us, uh, via the chat room, a fellow who calls himself the other Chris, and it's called Dervish, D-I-R-V-I-S-H. Uh, dervish.org. And, um, it is, um, a hard drive backup solution, um, and I really don't know that any more about it than that. Uh, I, I went to the website and it's not entirely clear as to what it does. It's probably one of those things that you have to put your hands on to use it. But here's the way I'm basically translating it. Um, you set up a chunk of hard drive space somewhere and you set up another chunk of hard drive space somewhere and it makes a copy from one to the other. So you say, I want this server copied over here and it does it using our sync and, and, and does that. It's completely free and fast and efficient. Uh, interestingly, they don't compress because, uh, according to their, uh, frequently asked questions page, they, uh, they want, um, want it to be a transparent so that you can quickly get your data back out. So it's a quick restore thing. And so there's, there's no compression at all. It's the first backup, uh, utility I've ever seen that doesn't use any backup. So, uh, anyway, the other Chris mentioned it and, uh, I thought I would, uh, pass it along because it looks at least interesting. It, it looks pretty geek heavy. I don't think that's something that, uh, the average, uh, home user is going to care about, but that's why it's our tech tip of the week. All right. Sounds good. So I guess I should jump in here with the teacher tip of the week. Uh, and uh, this week, the teacher tip of the week is if it were my home dot com, just like it sounds, if it were my home dot com. And uh, what it, what this site is, is. Yeah. How do I back out of that? <laughs> like I said, uh, this site, uh, takes, uh, key stats from, uh, all the countries around the world. And really what it is, it's a mashup. Uh, one of my tips of the week, several weeks, probably months back was the CIA world Factbook, And, uh, this site seems to take, uh, that information. It's like a mashup and, uh, it allows you to go in and you can compare other countries in the world with your country. So you can say, hey, I'm from the United States and uh, I want to compare my country to uh, 
uh, India. Okay. And it's going to bring up all of these interesting stats and compare them. So it'll say that, you know, if you lived in India, you would live uh, 15 years less. You would die 15 years earlier and you would make uh, X percentage less money and consume so much less or more oil. And uh, so you can do this comparison between any, any two countries, but it's very interesting, you know, being from the United States and just the, the gluts that we are uh, <laughs> to look at it and just see how much more of everything we use and, uh, of course, then you can see the the economical differences, and uh, so you know it can be very eye opening and uh, really neat information to uh, share with your students. Uh, I will One of the s- things I found most interesting about that, though, is it it does uh, like it knows you're from the U.S. and so it puts a U.S. map up there and overlays the con- country of Liechtenstein over right. whatever you pick on top of it, so you get an idea of land mass. Right, and that is very interesting. So, like we live in tech, we we live here in Texas, and uh, of course, Texas is a very large state, but it's, it's really interesting to be from Texas and see some of these small countries right. and realize that we just swallow them. Right, whole. I was clicking through it today when I saw it on the show notes and I picked like 43 countries that would fit inside my commute. Right. <laughs> okay, maybe not that much, but still. Well, and uh, you mentioned overlays and there's a couple of other interesting overlays. They've only got two of them, but uh, you can choose like uh, some natural disasters. So they have like the BP oil spill and uh, uh, a flood. Uh, I'm trying to, th- I can't think of where that flood happened now here recently, but. Australia? Uh, no, no, it was. Uh, New Zealand? No. Ah, well, it, well, there was some flooding either way, yeah, in both uh, Australia and New Zealand. So you've got these couple of natural disasters and the same thing. So you can get the scope of that natural disaster and it'll overlay where you live. So you get a feel for, you know, how big that, that, uh, oil spill was in comparison to, you know, your hometown. And, um, so, uh, that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I do want to say there's a couple of, uh, or there's one really uh, bad thing I didn't really like too much about it uh it is ad supported and usually that's not that big of a problem but uh you do have to do your homework ahead of time and and be prepared for that because uh the I don't know. There's not really horrible ads, but you will get like the occasional ad for online dating and, and things like that. So, uh, you certainly want to check some things out. And if you're going to bring up a page on this, you might want to bring it up ahead of time, uh, rather than just popping into it in front of students. So, uh, do keep that in mind. But other than that, a lot of uh, great information there. And it's, uh, if it were my home.com. It's kind of a cool site. Yeah. And so this is the part where we tell you where you can contact us. And so, uh, as I said, I'd like to hear your feedback about Untangle or about anything else, really. And um, uh, we earlier in the show played uh, our first ever um, Google Voice message. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming show, uh, that is uh, 530-FRUGAL2 is that number. Right. And uh, we can make you famous world, too. world famous or um, community. <laughs> Famous. Maybe it was famous to two. Famous, yeah, was, somewhere around there. <laughs> um, also, our website, of course, that's that's our primary community there. www.http colon slash slash www. Yeah, type all that in. TheTaiwanTech.com. <laughs> and uh, that's where you'll find us, and uh, that's where you can find swag, uh, and then that's where you can find our ugly pictures. But most importantly, that's where you can find our community, where you can post in the forums and while this show has been going on, my email bo- box blew up with uh, comments and um, 
uh, stuff in the forum. So these things are, are going on here, and, and that's been a really cool uh, thing to see. Uh, so join in there. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, I promise, except maybe some time and maybe a little bit of sanity. Uh, so join in there at thetightwadtech.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash thetightwadtech, or at thetightwadtech, or facebook.com slash thetightwadtech. And that's it. All right, great show. Great show. All right, so yeah. as Sean said, great show. That means we're done. That's right, we're done. All right, thanks for joining us, folks. And so uh, until next time, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs> <laughs>